Oh, boy. Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. If you have a sweetie, I hope you're treating them well. And um, let's have a word of prayer together before we uh, start. Father, thank you for a chance to dig into your word. Thank you for a chance to listen for your voice, the voice of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would apply uh, what is of you in this message to us and uh, that your word, as you say, would not return void. I do pray for a great anointing on the message, Lord, and just confess that without you, we are nothing. But with you, we are more than conquerors. We just bless you and praise you for this time together now in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is my hope that you will be inspired uh, this morning and encouraged. Um, I have been focused on the word expectancy it's been in my mind, it's, it's been in my spirit for a few weeks now, maybe more than a month. And so I went to the concordance uh, looking for how that word is used in the scriptures. And I want to show you a couple of verses, one from the Old Testament and one from the New that caught my attention. The first is Micah 7, verse 7 and 8, but as for me... I will watch expectantly for the Lord. Isn't that great? We could stop right there, but I won't let you. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. What a beautiful prayer and prophecy of the prophet Micah. And then in the New Testament, in Luke 3, at the River Jordan, uh, when John the Baptist was before the people, it says, now the people were in a state of expectation. And all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he might be the Christ. John answered and said to them all, as for me, I baptize you with water. But one who is coming is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. As you saw, the title of this message is In a State of Expectancy. It's what, it's what I want to cultivate in my life these days, and I'm wondering if some of you do as well. Want to cultivate that acute desire for God to be in a constant state of expectancy. You know, Oral Roberts had some great little phrases to build expectancy, didn't he? Let's look at some of those. You remember him saying this? Stand up on the inside. I remember him uh, saying that sort of in the voice of a lion or a bear. Stand up on the inside. And I remember being in Astoria with Tom and Nicole on a missions trip, a basic missions trip, and Tom was eating breakfast very contentedly, and I think I had my head on the table. I was so exhausted. And he said, Jim, are you lying down on the inside? 
I said, yeah, I'm lying down on the inside. But uh, here's another one. Expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. How great. Here's another one. God will meet you at the point of your need. You guys remember that one? God will meet you at the point of your need. And then something we sang earlier today, God is a good God. God is a good God. I want to have an acute desire for God. I want more of the power of the living God in my life. Anybody want to say amen to that? I was caught by a statement here by A.W. Tozer. He said, an acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. Let me read that again. An acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. And then this line, he waits to be wanted. Isn't that a great phrase? He waits to be wanted. Too bad with many of us, he waits so very, very long in vain. And so the question I want to raise this morning is, how does the believer move into a greater state of expectancy and acute desire, say after a period of lukewarmness or... um, a time of being beaten down by life and by the world. Or maybe you're in a season of long-suffering and tremendous adversity. How can you maintain that state of expectancy and acute desire? Well, the answer I want to pose this morning is that to do so, we remember the person and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. In order to keep that acute desire, that we become more aware of the person and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's begin to do that now. The Nicene Creed in 325, and then it was tweaked a little bit in 381, said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. There was a section on the Father. There is a section on the Son. But then it says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. Isn't that beautiful? That the Holy Spirit, along with the Father and the Son, is to be adored and glorified, and who has spoken through the prophets. Michael Green, many of my thoughts are coming from this book by Michael Green. He's a British theologian, a Christian apologist, an Anglican priest. I believe he's still alive, about 86 years old. He's written over 50 books. And in this book, I Believe in the Holy Spirit, he asks, but how? do we believe in the Holy Spirit? And he talks about various Christian traditions and how they treat the person of the Holy Spirit. For example, he says in some traditions, he's practically unknown, as in 
Acts 19, verse 2. And it came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So some traditions are focused on Jesus and the Father, but as far as the Holy Spirit and their awareness of him, he's pra- they're practically unaware of his work and ministry. He says that other Christian traditions confine the Holy Spirit to the pages of Scripture. He's not really active in our lives right now, but he is, was in those days of the Holy Scriptures. A lot of traditions uh, welcome the Holy Spirit, but they domesticate him, Green asserts, by simply saying that he is the rubber stamper behind the majority vote in committees. He also says that for some, he is that uh, dunamis power, that dynamite power, the Holy Spirit in the now, to use another Oral Roberts phrase. How many of you went to ORU and took a class called the Holy Spirit in the now? Yeah, the Holy Spirit in the now, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, still is active in our lives. Here's a quote by Michael Green. He says, I have been to enough ecclesiastical congresses which have claimed that the voice of the Holy Spirit lay behind the votes of the big majorities to be sickened by it. It was not a habit of the Holy Spirit in biblical times to be identified with the views of the majority. It is not only Catholic Christendom which has been guilty of seeking to domesticate the Holy Spirit in this way. Protestants have been no less anxious to do so, for the Holy Spirit is a disturbing influence. How many of you have been to meetings where the Holy Spirit has been a disturbing influence and you didn't know what was going on or what to make of it? Uh, I remember... The first time that I was exposed to the gift of tongues, it was an, at a Aretha Franklin concert. I wasn't saved, but so, she was singing so beautifully that somebody behind me just burst out in tongues. And because I didn't know the Lord, uh, this hostility just welled up in me. I didn't even know what was going on. All I knew was that I was mad that someone back here was talking, I don't know, to me it was gibberish, but I knew it was something spiritual. And and so that was a disturbing influence in my life. And so I think it's a healthy, spiritually healthy question to ask ourselves, where is the Holy Spirit in my life and in my thinking And especially, I want to say, where is the Holy Spirit in our awareness, in our personal awareness we go through the day? Is he virtually unknown to us as we focus on the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Father? Have we confined him, perhaps, to the Scriptures, uh, or have we domesticated him in some way? 
Or are we staying aware of his presence and his person and his work and his power in our lives? Trying to stay aware of the move of the Holy Spirit. Again, that phrase, is he the Holy Spirit in the now? That dynamite power that lives inside us. Let's forget about us for a minute and look into the scriptures. The first uh, mention of the Holy Spirit is in the second verse of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? The second verse out of all the verses of the Bible, here he is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God was moving. And I want to say that the Spirit of God is moving over the waters of your life. The Spirit of God is moving over the waters of TCF as a church. And uh, I'm not saying some new thing is happening. I'm just saying Let's dial up our awareness of what the Holy Spirit is or might be doing. Amen? Let's be more sensitive to him. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament for the Spirit of God is ruach. And it means wind or breath or spirit. And it has connotations really of mystery and power. For the most part in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone wouldn't he? And then he would depart. It wasn't normal that he came upon individuals and remained. He was in an invading supernatural power, but he wasn't for everyone and not consistently with even those that he came upon. He wasn't for every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the Old Testament. But many godly Jews longed for the Holy Spirit to rest upon every person permanently. And so we have prophecies like Joel chapter 2. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even upon the men servants and maidservants in those days... I will pour out my spirit. Jeremiah said, The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I will put my law within them, and I will write it upon their hearts. No longer shall each man teach his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Green writes again, The Lord kept saying to the people of Israel, If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my possession among all the peoples. But there lay the rub. They could could not and did not keep his covenant. God remained faithful to his side of the agreement, but it kept getting spoiled by the Israelites. Jeremiah longed for the day when God would, as it were, underwrite both sides of the agreement of the covenant. He would not only keep his side of the bargain, but enable Israel to keep hers 
by putting his spirit within his people. And then probably the one you might remember the best is Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel prophesies and specifically attributes that new heart of flesh and the ability to live God's law to the Spirit of God. And he says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and then notice this line, and cause you to walk in my statutes. At Pentecost, God did exactly that, didn't he? He unleashed his spirit to every person, and he has never been withdrawn. Now, I have here on the slide, note James 4 uh, and 5. Have you ever noticed, those of you who are Christians, and I, I would assume that's all in here because I know you all pretty well, that when you get into sin, you're miserable. You know, when we sin, we are miserable sinners. And it's because that Spirit of God is inside of us, and God is a jealous God, and He yearns jealously over that Spirit He has made to dwell in us. And that's what verse 4 says. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us. Well, in the New Testament, we, of course, see Jesus, don't we? We see the life of Jesus, the miracle of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, but do we see the Holy Spirit as we examine his life? Do we pay attention to the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus? Look at these scriptures. Uh, first of all, Jesus is called what? Among other things. He's called the expected one. Isn't that interesting? And then we see that he is conceived by the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God doesn't just come upon him and then leave, it rests on him. Some of the versions say it remains on him. He's said to be full of the Holy Spirit and then led about in the desert by the Holy Spirit. He returns in the power of the Spirit. These are all verses from Luke 4. And then he preaches in Nazareth in verse 18 of Luke 4, where he proclaims that the Spirit of the Lord is what? Upon me. He does miracles by the Spirit of God. And he gives the Holy Spirit to his disciples. In John 20, 22, it's one of his resurrection appearances where he, he comes to them in a room. Uh, it's before he's ascended to the Father, but it's after he's been crucified He's now risen, and he's in one of his resurrection appearances, and he breathes on his disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
Now, if I were to ask you, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come to the earth? Probably most of us would say he came to save us from our sins, right? Something along that line. He, he, um, he, he came to, em- we would emphasize salvation or his substitutionary death on the cross or the forgiveness of sins, wouldn't we? That would be the first thing that we think of. If I pressed you further, anybody have, uh, other than the Holy Spirit, anybody have another answer you might say? Uh, Jerry, what we, show us the Father, yeah. Show us the Father, establish a new covenant. Uh, good, good job, Jerry, thank you. Um, yeah, we, think, we might think of the book of Hebrews where in the first chapter it says he is the exact representation of the Father. Uh, some of the disciples would cry out, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied and so on. And In Hebrews, it goes on to talk about the new covenant and how the new covenant is better than the old covenant. But I also want you to see that the mission of Jesus included to give us and to fill us with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. John 16 and 14, we read, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So I want you to notice that at the end of this verse, it's Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. In the next verse, it's the Father. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth. You will know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so I want you to note the fulfillment of prophecy here that the spirit will be in us and also the co-agency of sending the Holy Spirit, that both the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit in a sense together and Nicene Creed caught that, didn't it? That the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son. Was Jesus successful in this third part of his mission? How many of you would say yes? He was absolutely successful in his entire mission. I want to say, saints, we have the Spirit of the living God inside of us. I hope that excites your spirit. I hope that it can bring, I'm praying that even now as I'm preaching, there is an expectancy rising in you, that there's a quickening like Romans 8 talks about. Let us stand up on the inside. Let us expect a miracle. Let us ask God for a way where there is no way. I want to share with you that recently I made a, uh, a new prayer list that's in my Bible. And I call it a way where there is no way prayer list. 
And I have about six things on there that I don't feel free to share with you. But they are things that there is no way I can picture them happening in, in my mind. And never, nevertheless, I am convinced they are the will of God. And, um, and so I am praying these things, kind of rejoicing that there's no way I can manipulate or pull it off or even picture it in my mind. Because nothing is impossible for God. There is nothing too difficult for him. And what could be better to ask him for those things that there's no way you can do on your own? There's no way you can picture them. If they happen, it, it's totally him. And it is a miracle. So we've, we've looked at why did Jesus come and the agency of the Holy Spirit in his ministry. Now let's look at what the Holy Spirit does in us and for us. Why was he sent by the Father and the Son? And I'd like to look at each of these six verses that are highlighted here. First of all, he came to witness to and glorify Christ. This is 1 John excuse me, John 16, verse 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit is the communicator of the things of God to us. Look at, um, at uh, 1 Corinthians 2. 12 through 14 with me. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. These are things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. The Spirit of God, part of his job is to communicate things of God to us, the truth of God and to glorify his son, God's son, Jesus Christ. And then there's this beautiful verse in Titus 3 about the, the Holy Spirit sanctifying us. You don't need to turn there. Just listen to this beautiful verse. This is Titus 3, verse 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. I just, I just want to say, Lord, wash us. Wash us with the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. We also know that he distributes 
his spiritual gifts to us, doesn't he? We read in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, this verse, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. I don't know if you remember, but last week, Dave, in his call to worship, I believe it was, or maybe it was the communion prayer, talked about, let us utilize the gifts that God has given us. And I wasn't even thinking about this message, but that, that stuck in my mind. Yes, Lord, let us utilize the gifts that you have given us thus far. And then finally, the Holy Spirit's job is to work the fruits in our lives. But the fruit of the Father is, the fruit of the Son is, no, it's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. In the King James, that word is what? Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, great uh, gentleness, and self-control. Aren't you grateful for the work and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit? I want to ask three things of you this morning. The first is that you would renew your awareness of the Holy Spirit, His person, His work, and His power in your life. That you would look for the Spirit of God moving over the waters of your life. I want to secondly ask that you would ask God for a spirit of expectancy, uh, an acute desire, that expectant and bold faith, one that is standing up on the inside and expects a miracle. The Holy Spirit in the now. Could we be, wouldn't it be wonderful if each of us in this body were on tiptoe with anticipation of what God is going to do in our own lives, in each other's lives, and in the life of the body at large. And then finally, I'd ask you to consider making a list or a prayer list called Make a Way Where There Is No Way. Make a way where there is no way. And put on that list things that, are, that you want and you know are of God, but are absolutely impossible in the natural. And let's see what God will do. Hallelujah. Now I want to pray for any who are really going through a time of long suffering or adversity and you want to have that kind of expectancy. You don't want that, that adversity to um, wear out your spirit. And you want to be prayed for and with about cultivating that sense of what the Holy Spirit is doing even in the midst of your suffering. Would you stand? And we just want to pray for these uh, who need a special touch from the Lord. Don't be embarrassed. Uh, we're a body. And uh, you might want to gather around somebody. And let's, 
Let's do exactly what we have said. Let's believe God for a great uh, sense of expectancy and desire and awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing and wants to do. So, Father, we lift up these that are standing before you. We thank you, Father, for giving them courage and a Christus victor, Christ will be victorious in my situation kind of faith. But we ask, Lord, for a greater standing up on the inside. We ask for a type of faith that expects a miracle. We ask, Lord, for the awareness of your Holy Spirit, a sensitivity, a new sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that is able to sense the movement of God over the waters of our lives. Lord, you said in your word that your spirit would be like a river welling up out of our bellies into eternal life. And uh, Father, we pray that that would be discernible in these who are standing, that no matter how deeply they suffer, no matter what adversity is there, there would be that joy that Dawn talked about earlier. There would be that choosing of joy and that awareness of the Holy Spirit that my God is inside of me and working His good pleasure. Father, we do ask for miracles. We ask for miracles, not just for these who are standing, but across our body and across our city and across our nation. And uh, we just thank you together for the work and person and ministry and dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be mindful in the weeks ahead of his work and his ministry in our lives. And help us to be sure and give you all the glory in Jesus' name, and together let's say amen. Amen.